We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Today is the theme of what are you building on? Um, and I keep hearing, and probably you're the same, about the opportunity we have at this point in the pandemic when life has changed so hugely in, in so many respects. The opportunity to build something new, create this new normal that keeps being talked about and to reconstruct our lives in a different way. And I'll be honest, for me, that feels a little bit overwhelming. Um, Where do I start? What should I even be looking to build? Um, For many of us, the, the structures of life that may have helped us to feel kind of anchored and stable before lots of those have been just removed or eroded over the last few months and our reference points have moved so when we think about the future and what life is going to look like it it doesn't follow the patterns that maybe it always has done and that can be a little thing so it might be that you've lost your job or your job has changed completely and you're doing something completely different now you might be working from home and Um, That might be having an impact on your mental health or your physical health. Your friendships might have suffered because you just haven't been able to see people. And the daily rhythms that you go through are probably very different. So for me, I've had my two children who are seven and four years old have been at home every single day for the last uh, five to six months. And that's been really precious in many ways. But it's completely changed the whole way that my day runs and my week runs. I've not had any time to myself either. And, and that can make thinking about the future and what life is going to be like a little bit hard to even start thinking about. And obviously for many people, you would have lost loved ones as well. And that's really painful and really difficult to think about the future, maybe without them. Um, And so with all of these changes that have happened and the ways our lives have been turned upside down, we, I think, can be tempted or I can certainly be tempted to take matters into our own hands and think, right, okay, so as as lockdown has finished and we're starting to rebuild something that looks like normal life, um, let's make something happen. Let's let's build something that feels stable and that I can kind of move into. And in some senses, that's not a bad thing. But I just felt God arrest me the other day as I was thinking about this. I I found myself in a rare spare moment thinking, oh, my goodness, in September, my oldest goes back to school and my youngest, who's four, starts school full time. So for the first time in years, I will have much more time for myself to to do things. And that made me feel a bit panicked. I was like, oh, my goodness, I, I need something purposeful and meaningful to do with that time or you know, it it won't have value and and my life will be a bit kind of empty. And so I started Googling kind of opportunities, maybe for part-time jobs. And then I thought, oh no, maybe I could study. And I started looking up all these courses. And then I thought, oh no, maybe I should volunteer. So I started to kind of look at what that could be. And I just felt God stop me and remind me um, that I don't need to frantically build at this point in time there's a desire to make my life look and feel like it's got structure and substance to it. But God has been really speaking to me about making sure my foundations are right. Before I can build anything, I need to make sure 
that the structure is sound because it's built on the right basis. So I'm just going to share a picture with you. Bear with me one minute. Um, okay, so hopefully you can all see this. Um, this is the amazing treehouse that my husband Michael spent the last few months building for the children. Um, excuse the mess underneath. Um, so as you can see, it's quite, it's quite a feat. He's made a really beautiful building there. But as he was building it, my concern was about what it was built on. So if you look at the second picture with the arrows in it, you can see that this treehouse is built on some kind of half cut tree stumps from some trees that he took down last year, some massive pine trees. And I'm not even sure if these stumps are alive or dead, whether they're gonna rot, whether they're gonna start growing in different directions. And so I was a little bit concerned as he started to construct this thing that actually, although it might look beautiful, it might just collapse <laughs> when my children were playing in it. And so throughout the construction process, there was much, there was a lot of times where I would come outside and be like, hmm, and then Michael would sort of jump on it or hang off the side or, you know, give, give it some real force to demonstrate to me, no, this is, this is really sturdy. These foundations aren't going anywhere. And there must be hundreds of these enormous bolts that he bought in that in that tree house um, just to keep it secure and now when the children go in it I feel completely happy that actually no matter how many go up there how they jump on it whether there's storms that that thing is going to be secure because as a parent I don't really care how it looks I don't care that it's cute and it's got a nice pitched roof and you know that's lovely but what I care about is the fact that it's going to be secure and I think that's how God feels about us and so often we can get really focused on the bit that you can see the building the construction that we've got in our life so it it might be your career it might be even the way you look your possessions it's all the things above ground in our life that you can see and that looks impressive and in natural terms and in terms of what the world wants to see that's the bit that matters but in terms of what God wants, he wants us to be making sure our foundations are right. And I think that's what he's saying now, as we come into this time of thinking, right, well, what does life look like for me in this next phase? I think he's saying, focus on your foundations. He will build the things in us he wants to build. Um, sorry, shouldn't have done that part. I'm just gonna unshare my screen again. Bear with me one second. Nope, can't work out how to do that. Um, so I'll just talk on. Um, so an example of this, a few months ago, there was a, a story, um, or I, I heard of a, a, a story in church where someone had put on a street party for the people in their street. I think it was to celebrate BE Day or one of these things. Um, and they'd done this street party for all of their neighbors which is really cool. Um, and my first thought was, oh my goodness, I should be doing things like that to kind of reach out to people in my street. And, and, and then I just realized that actually God was far more concerned with what was going on underneath. And the fact was that with particular neighbors we have, there's been tension for quite a long time. And maybe in me, there's been hidden resentment and bitterness about maybe some of the ways that they behave and the impact that has on our life. And I just heard God say, don't worry about making a street party. 
worry about the state of your heart towards your neighbors. The first thing you need to do is figure out how you're going to love them as I do. And so I asked him to make that change in me. And I repented of that bitterness that I was holding against them. And interestingly, as I allowed God to make that internal change, I started to see things shift. So um, we have a big tree. It's a beautiful tree. Um, and it's quite unruly at the moment. And it's been overhanging this neighbor's garden for years and years. Um, and we've known we need to do something about it, but just have never got round to it, really. But suddenly I just had this sense of, oh, my goodness, I need to phone a tree surgeon right now and get this sorted because it's really dishonoring to them to have my tree cutting out their light and really impeding their use of the garden. And it was like this urgency that came from, I guess, the love that I now had for these neighbours, where before there'd been resentment and kind of, oh, well, I'm not going to do anything to help you if you're acting like that. And it's just so interesting that as the internal change happened, I started to see external things shift, but they weren't the thing that I was trying to, to make happen, if that makes sense. And I found myself having long chats with different people who live in that house and really finding out about their lives and their likes and dislikes and what bothers them. And that's a level of conversation I've never been able to have before. And I don't think I would have stood there and had those conversations had I not had that moment of realising, don't worry about what it looks like, worry about the state of your heart. I'm not saying that our actions don't have value because they clearly do. And Jesus's example and instruction to us was to be very active in the world. But our actions must be built on the right foundations. And that's about what's going on in our heart and motivation, how we allow our character to be shaped. So how should we work on these foundations? Um, and I just want to share a couple of verses with you. There we go. Okay. Um, so you've probably heard this story before, the story of the wise and the foolish builder. Um, I'm just going to read you the version from Matthew, but there's another version of it in the Gospel of Luke that I think sheds some light on kind of where Jesus was coming from as well. So I've put that in as well. Everyone, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And in the Luke version, that he, he, Jesus describes the man who builds a house, uh, the wise man, as one who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. There's a real focus on what's going on underneath. It doesn't say much about, you know, the construction of the house, what wood he used, whether it was brick. That's not the focus. The focus is laying the foundation. And Jesus gives us a pretty clear instruction. That actually, it is to build on his words. It's to, to hear these words of mine and do them. And quite specifically, he's talking about the words that he's just delivered. So the Matthew version comes just at the end of what we sometimes call the Sermon 
on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapters five to seven. And he's given a whole range of instruction on how we should live. Um, and similarly with the Luke verse, it's, it's not clear whether he's talking about exactly the same sermon, but he's given very similar instructions to that group of people. So he's saying that the, his words are the things that we need to build our foundation on. And Matthew 5 to 7 is absolutely rammed full of just amazing stuff. And I've been spending a lot of time just reading it and reading it again because it, there's just so much power in Jesus's words there. Um, and they're all about the state of our heart. And he, he talks about the actions of life. So he talks about giving to the poor. He talks about how we should pray. He talks about how we should treat other people. Um, but always the focus is on our motives and what is going on inside of us. And so I'm just going to pick out a couple of things that struck me as I've been reading through this. So he starts the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, which I think we've looked at quite recently. Um, and it's the Beatitudes to me are a call to rethink what we value and to recognize that what God values isn't necessarily what the world values and what our culture values. And for the people hearing this from Jesus, it would have been completely revolutionary and in some senses nonsensical. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, those, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now that is the idea that you would be blessed when people insult you and persecute you. It doesn't really make sense. But Jesus is saying that, God's value system is completely different and we need to get in line with it. And again, in Matthew 6, verse 19 to 24, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure, treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he talk, he's talking about something that is different to what we would value on earth, maybe the, the things that we would say, oh yeah, they've done well in life. Those are not the things that God values. And this heavenly treasure that he talks about is invisible, just, just like the foundations that we, we need to build. But it's that the absolute most important thing in the world. Um, it's described as the pearl of greatest price. It's salvation, it's being accepted and loved by the God who made us. And that's what God wants us to think about what do you value and that's the question I find myself asking at the time I'm valuing this thing very highly I'm giving it lots of time and thought and maybe money does that line up with what God values and that's actually a very challenging question to ask yourself the other thing that really struck me um, was just the radicalness of the love that Jesus expects from us here he talks about a love that goes instincts he tells us to love our enemies 
And he says that, yeah, anyone can love their friends. That's easy. But the power comes when we choose to love those that hurt us and let them hurt us again without defending ourselves. And that is that is a real difficult thing to do. And so my question today to you would be, are you struggling to love certain people? Is there resentment for certain people in your life? And I believe that Jesus's words here have the power to release you from to love people where it feels impossible, where it feels like all the bridges have been burnt and it's just not doable. But actually, if we have resentment and bitterness in our heart, and that's part of our foundation, then whatever we build in life is, is not going to be on the solid rock that Jesus describes. And then the third thing that really struck me that I don't think has before is this theme of there being an intimate, secret place in our relationship with God. Um, so, so much of what Jesus says in this sermon is about keeping our good works secret. It's about being humble and not boasting about the things that we do that maybe might look good. So he says, if you give with your right hand, don't even let your left know. You know, this is about a secret offering to God. So our, our works, our acts of charity and love and mercy to each other, we shouldn't be looking for something in return. We shouldn't be looking for uh, recognition because actually it's a private thing between us and God. And it, it speaks of a closeness and this amazing space where we can hold out our goodness to him as an offering. And Jesus demonstrated that kind of intimate relationship with his father when he was on earth. He would go away from the crowds to spend time with God and he would really battle out those difficult things between him and his father. Now, I'm not talking about being kind of close to input or keeping things secret from other people, but I'm talking about our motivation as we serve God being pure and being bedded in that intimacy and that closeness with him. And as we enter more into that closeness, as we get to know him better, as his words become more familiar and sort of come to us at different points in life where we're, we're there and there's a decision to make, I really believe that they, those words will have the effect of helping us sort out that resentment or bitterness, of helping us not to worry and trusting that God will provide for us, of helping us to not judge other people, which is another command that Jesus gives in that sermon, and to help us to be humble and not need to defend ourselves or prove our point. And I've just got a little example of that, because I think sometimes we think of these things as massive um, life events or, you know, a big argument you might have, but it can be this the tiniest, subtlest thing. So um, I don't know about you, but I'm on lots and lots of WhatsApp groups. Um, and the other day, someone posted something in one of these groups that really riled me. I was like, oh, that's such a ridiculous viewpoint. That's really unrighteous. I just need to correct that. So I spent quite a long time writing <laughs> quite a detailed response to them. And then I just couldn't send it. And I just felt like, no, actually, what's your motivation for responding in that way? It's, it's because you want to prove that they're wrong. It's because you want to put someone straight and almost be defensive. So it's a very subtle thing. And it, it's weird because it wasn't even directed at me. But I just felt the Holy Spirit arrest me and say, no, th this one's not yours to correct. Get your heart right towards this person. And that's not to say that it's, you know, it's not right to ever correct someone on WhatsApp, because it might be. But that point in time, I wasn't being humble. 
I wasn't loving that person more than I love myself. And it was just a tiny little thing, but I believe it in, in terms of making sure my foundations were right. So how do we live like this? It, it can sound like a bit, if you sit and read through all of Matthew 5 to 7, it's a bit like, whoa, that's quite a high bar he sets for this kind of internal state of being. And there is an internal transformation that needs to happen in us. Um, so in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So it's God that works that change in us, but we have to let him. We have to submit those different areas of our life to him. And that takes some tough decisions. So when I gave my example earlier about needing to fill the time and feel useful and busy and purposeful, when God spoke to me about not, not trying to do that, I had to submit it to him and that meant stopping the activities that led me back to that internal position. So I had to stop having a quick Google to see what jobs are out there because actually that led me back to that internal position of, oh, I need to sort this out. I need to make this, this happen for myself when actually I need, he's spoken really clearly to me about working on my foundations and allowing him to build things in my life. So, in terms of establishing these strong foundations, I believe these are some things we can do. Um, the first is pretty obvious, read Jesus's words. For me, I want them to be the most familiar words to me. And if they're gonna shape my life, I just need to know them. So I need to find the discipline to keep going back and back and back to what he said. I need to ask God, his promise to us is that when we seek him, we will find him. And when we knock, he'll answer. And that's such a reassuring thing that actually it only takes us to earnestly seek him and he will never fail to meet us in that. Valuing that secret, intimate place, remembering that the thing that is valuable is not how good something looks, but how pleasing it is to God. And for me, it's about setting aside that time to be with God. And that's not something I'm good at at all. But I'm trying to look for tools to help me value that secret place. So recently I've downloaded an app that just takes you through a 10 minute uh, kind of Bible meditation every day. And I'm finding that actually the more I do it, the more disciplined I become at doing it, the more those words that I pick up in the morning are affecting how I live my life during the day. And that's so exciting for me to see. Jesus promises us the helper, the Holy Spirit. And we can trust that he'll prompt us in those little moments, like that little WhatsApp moment. I can trust that he'll show me, actually, your foundations are slightly wrong here. Let's, let's work on that bit there. And being part of the body, we need to ask for help. So the church is described as the body of Christ. We're one body and we have a responsibility to help each other form these foundations. So we can be honest with each other when actually we're, we're really worried about the future and we can help each other to think about the things that God values and, and working those into our foundations as we look to build this kind of new normal or this next phase of life for us. I keep coming back to Jesus's words when I feel confused as to how to respond or worried about the future. I want my foundations to be strongly planted in Jesus's words so that I can withstand any storm that might come my way. And just want to finish off with a, a little kind of example for you. 
Um, so we've been shielding since March and at times that's been very challenging and there's been times when fear has really crept in for me, fear of COVID but also fear of the impact of being shut away in terms of my friendships and what my life looks like and over the summer as I've opened that up to God and given it to him and really spent time with him on that he's just he's transformed something inside of me and that fear just isn't there anymore that kind of twisting in my gut when someone suggests something that is maybe a bit challenging or um I don't know um going out to do something so I feel like I'm able to see clearly what is a good thing to do and what's a right thing to do without the fear being there in my foundation and I'm so excited to move into this next phase and allow allow God to build in my life without fear of what's going to happen that's it thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church we hope this message has been an encouragement to you We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at lifelineuk.com.